Thank you very much. You may open your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Pray for me this morning. I'm going to try to preach faster and shorter so we can have some time at the end for some important stuff we need to talk about. But uh, we'll see how I do, okay? So pray, pray hard that I preach fast and short, okay? This is a, a one Sunday sermon on discord. And let me uh, illustrate for you what I mean by discord. You already know, but l- let me just do that anyway. I was talking with someone recently who had uh, attended a, a wedding uh, earlier this month. And during the reception, the two families got into a heated argument. There was a history to it because the parents of the groom did not like the bride. And there have been a lot of things said in the months leading up to the marriage. The father did not attend the wedding. The mother did. And during the reception, they had been talking. They had been drinking. They have been talking. They have been drinking. You know how those go together quite often with people, don't you? And the talking got worse. And the next thing you know, these two families are in a very, very heated, loud argument to the point that the groom's family is told to leave. Now, that's discord. The reality is almost every person in this room has discord with someone in their life. In our immediate family, extended family, neighborhood, work, school, church, Sunday school, right? Discord's a part of life because life is made up of relationships with other people. And we're sinners. It happens. It happens among very religious people, very good people, very faithful people. It happened with the disciples while they were still with Jesus. In Luke 9:46, the Bible says an argument started among them, among the 12. That's discord. That's a fight. That's a heated conversation. An argument as to which of them might be the greatest. And what I want to point out is that in that one verse, this one story, we have the essence We have the root cause of most, not all, but most discord in relationships. Do you know what it is? Self-assertion. Self-assertion. Which is the greatest? Who's going to be in front? Who's going to be in charge? Whose way or opinion is going to carry the moment? Who's better? Who's right? Who's whatever? Who's this? Who's that? Self-assertion. In relationships is the thing that is behind none all but most discord. The Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 1, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Why do you fight? Why do you have disagreements? Why is there discord, disharmony? Is not the source your pleasures, your wants, That wage war, what I like, what I want, how I feel. Now there's a a similar and, and, and related second cause of a lot of discord in relationships and it's what I call self-justification. They kind of go hand in hand, self-assertion and self-justification because if you're asserting what you want, you then tend to justify it. 
They go hand in glove, so to speak. Self-justification. Self-justification. And, and usually when I tend to justify myself, I do it by comparing myself to others. What I want to others, what I think to others. And in doing so, begin judging others. Because I'm comparing myself. And I want myself to be, to be right, to look good. I, I want to see myself favorably. That's what I'm trying to do, is to justify myself for what I'm asserting. And, and, and that approach to living, and we're all guilty of it at times, right? I mean, is there anyone in this room who would be bold enough to stand up and say, I have never been self-assertive. I have never sought to justify myself because I just did. Any, anybody? And it's the source of a lot of broken relationships, a lot of discord, lack of harmony in relationships, home, church, school, different places. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German theologian that was executed by the Nazis in a concentration camp just a few days before the Allies liberated that camp, said in one of his earlier writings, self-justification and judging others go together. You can't have one without the other. It's hard. It's hard to practice self-justification without judging someone. See, and, and, and in life and relationships, I can't control other people, but I can control me and my actions, my choices, my reactions. I can control my part in creating discord. I can, I can, I can work on my part in, in, in making discord worse. I can, I, I, can, I can work on my part in, in making it better. How? How, how? how can I work on me and my part in all of this? By practicing what that theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in one of his books, what he called ministries. And what he meant by that was there's these biblical disciplines, these, these biblical teachings that we're supposed to practice, things we're supposed to do. And we, we look at them as duties. You know, God's given us these duties in Scripture. God says this is how we're to live as disciples. And we often think of them as, as duties. But I like his term. He called them ministries. And what he's saying is as you look at these biblical commands, these biblical teachings, these biblical guidelines, rather than just looking at them as a duty to be fulfilled, look, him, look at them as a ministry that you render to other people. I mean, we all do ministries. The, the, the nearly 50 members of this church that are in Florida right now in Orlando at Give Kids the World, they're serving they're serving the needs of others, right? Those that are getting ready to go to Honduras, they're going to be serving. We have people serving in Sunday school right now, people serving with the youth and with the children. They're serving. That's, a, that's a, a ministry. And what he's saying is look at these different things that the Bible teaches that we're to practice as followers of Jesus. Look at them as ministries that we render to other people, those people in our lives. Think about your family. Think about think about. Think about your neighbors. Think about your fellow church members. Think about your coworkers. How can you serve them? How can you minister to them? And the first one that I want to talk about is the, the ministry of holding my tongue. To see silence as a ministry that you use to bless and serve other people. The Bible says we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, why? He's a perfect man or mature, complete able to bridle the whole body as well. In other words, if you can control your tongue, it's easier to control other parts of your life. But if you can't control your tongue, it's probably true that you have trouble controlling other things in your life as well. 
Because usually the tongue simply expresses what is on the inside, what's coming out, the, the you, the real you. And one of the ways you begin working on all of that inside of you is, is, is here. Because have you ever noticed the more we say something, then the more we think it and the more we feel it, and it becomes like that dog chasing its tail and it just keeps going and it gets worse and spirals up. You ever notice that? The more you get into an argument and the more you say, the more heated it becomes. And one of the ways we begin toning things down is silence. Now, I'm not talking about being passive-aggressive and etc. But the Bible says don't say everything that comes into your mind because not everything that comes into your mind is of God. Do you, you do know that, don't you? Huh? You, you figured that out? Silent. Holding, holding our tongue is a ministry. James 4, 11, the Bible says, Do not speak against one another, brethren. To see that as a ministry, and, and that can have an impact on our relationships. Not talking badly about others is one of the ways to, to train ourselves to love others the way Scripture tells us to because talking bad about others leads to thinking more, feeling more. It leads to discord. It leads to broken relationships. See silence as a ministry. Sometimes holding your tongue is the best way to love somebody. The second one is the ministry of meekness. Of meekness. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the Bible, Paul is writing and he, and he says, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Now that doesn't mean if you think you're way up here, it's okay. He's, he's, he's saying, get honest with yourself. Do you remember what Paul said about himself? He said, I am chief among what? What, folks? I'm chief among what? He said, I'm the, I'm the biggest sinner there is. That's the same Paul who wrote the verse you see on the screen, not to think of ourselves more highly than we, than we ought to. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says, With humility of mind, regard one another as what? 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 Re read it. As what? More important than whom? Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of whom? Meekness. You think living that way could have an impact on relationships? Uh, see, this, 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 is, this is contrary to our nature as sinners. Self-assertion is more natural to us. Self-justification is more natural to us. Meekness is not. That, that's why it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that God produces in us as we grow in our relationship with Him. It's not easy. But we are to allow Him to be working in us so that we work at having that more and more. A third ministry is the ministry of listening. The ministry of listening. James 1.19, the Bible says, Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Isn't it interesting that those three phrases are put together in that verse? Slow to speak. Which see, being slow to speak is a necessity if we're going to listen. 
quick to hear, quick to listen. And one of the results of that is less anger, not getting angry quite as quickly. We, have you, I know I, I've done this. Have you ever done this? Have you, okay, I've done it. Have you done it? Have you ever jumped to a conclusion and been wrong? But you already said something. Huh? Slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. That's connected to the ministry of holding our tongue. You can't listen without doing the first one. And see listening to people as a ministry to them. It may be one of the more important, if not the most important one. And and, and by the way, love begins with listening. Bill, do you remember when you and Betsy first started dating? Wives wish husbands would listen 20 years after marriage they did when they first dated. Now, I would have expected that from a woman. <laughs> Listening. We listen to each other. We want to, we want to know about them, right? It's hard to get to know someone if you don't listen. It's hard to really know what's going on if you, if you don't listen. And, and the failure to listen creates a lot of conflict in marriages and families and churches, etc. I love this quote from one of Bonhoeffer's books that I read years ago. He who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. Now let that sink in for a minute. The person who struggles to listen to others will eventually struggle to really hear God, listen to God. Instead, he will find himself doing nothing but prattling on in the presence of God. Because if we talk before we listen to others. Eventually, our relationship with God when we pray and and when we discuss things is us just telling God what we want to tell God, praying to God about what we want to pray about, telling God this is what we want God to do, prattling on to God without the ability to listen and hear the voice of God. Some of you are doing that right now in your mind and in your heart. You're arguing with this sermon. You're arguing with God right now instead of trying to hear his voice. How many of your prayers are about the things God wants you to pray about rather than just what's on your mind? How often do you listen to Scripture and say, Father, Cut me to the quick. Cut me to the core. Father, speak to me so that I can then reply to what you're saying rather than always only praying about what's on my mind. When do you pray about what's on the heart of God when it comes to your life and your relationship with Him? I think Bonhoeffer had it exactly right. Number four is the ministry of helping. 
Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 11? The greatest among you shall be what? What does a servant do? He serves. She helps. Galatians 5, 13, through love, do what? Serve one another. What would that do to the average marriage if, if the husbands and wife, the husband and wife both learn to help each other, to serve each other, to serve the interests and the needs of each other? What would happen? What, what would happen in the workplace? I mean, if you read leadership, leadership literature, this is talked about all the time. What happened to the workplace? What, what would happen in church? If, if, if instead of seeing church as a country club where through your giving you pay your dues and you're entitled, that you see it as a place where you serve everyone there. You serve their needs. You serve their interests. You serve the purpose of God in the lives of those individuals and in the life of that body of faith. What would happen? The ministry of, of helping. Actively helping in those simple little things. Helping in those big, significant things. And at times, even allowing, helping someone to interrupt your schedule. To interrupt your plans. Number five, the ministry of bearing. The ministry of bearing. Galatians 6 2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Now she's going to kill me for saying this. It's not my wife. But Kathy Trapman would kill me. She, she and Roger are leaving, they're, they're on their way to Florida to join the, the team in Orlando at Give Kids to the World. But see, Kathy's been exercising that ministry to David and Kelly Mitchell's family ever since Belle got sick cancer. It was Kathy who was up there at the hospital the whole time when she had her surgery earlier this week. It's Kathy who's, that's just a ministry she's taking on. Now she'll kill me because she doesn't want me to brag on her. But that's what she's doing. That's what she's doing. That's the ministry. That's, that's one way of, of exercising the ministry of, of, of bearing. Isn't that what Jesus did for you and me on the cross? Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, Surely our griefs he himself bore, our sorrows he carried. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? He bore our problem, our sin, our iniquity. He bore our mess. He carried it, didn't he? And that means that sometimes we have to bear with one another's mistakes and one another's sins and failures. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, if, any, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of gentleness. Actually, the verse goes on to say, so that you won't be tempted with the same thing. Ephesians 4, 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience or showing tolerance, or I think the King James translates it, 
forbearing one another, showing tolerance for one another in love. Listen, have you lived long enough and been in a relationship with one person long enough to understand that if you're going to have a relationship that lasts more than a few months, you're going to have to put up with stuff? Huh? Have you figured that out yet? Some, some people go through life never having long relationships because they don't understand that you eventually have to put up with stuff because each of us, in our own beautiful, unique way, is a mess. I'm a mess. You are a mess. Now, some are messier than others, but we're all messes. In some way, and anybody you love for a long period of time, there are some things you're going to have to bear with, you're going to have to put up with, you're going to have to have patience with, you're going to have to tolerate. Because if you're always trying to change everybody, fix everybody, you know what you'll do? You'll push them away. Because nobody wants to be fixed by you. It's hard enough for people to submit to God fixing them, let alone another human being. Right? Wives, you're not going to fix that man. If there's a problem, pray and let God do it. But you're not going to succeed at it. God can. You can't. Is that preaching enough? word to the wise love and prayer does a whole lot more bearing with one another it's not easy but it's important and here's the last one number six it's the ministry of forgiving Colossians 3.13 bearing with one another and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone you, you ever had a complaint against somebody you think God had a complaint against you? You think today God has any complaints against you? Well, he says, forgive them just as the Lord forgave you. Same way. Now, I know you all have find, it, find this really hard to believe, but occasionally I have a complaint against my beautiful, precious wife, Monisa. And more often than that, she has one against me. But you're not going to be in a relationship if you don't learn how to forgive because there are going to be complaints. Listen, the, the, I talked about it a few weeks ago. I have, one, I have one guy who's not a member of this church. He watched the sermon on TV, and he said, I wanted, he asked me, he said, who was you mad at? Because it was that Sunday I was talking about church hoppers. I wasn't mad at anybody. I was just preaching. You know, because there are some people who never understand that you're not going to stay in a Sunday school class or a church long time if you don't learn how to forgive because there are going to be people in every group that you have a complaint about at some point along the way. Because we're sinners. Forgiven, being transformed, changing, growing, yes, but still sinners. And if you want relationships, one of the ways you, you, you lessen the discord and have lasting, healthy relationships is to learn to forgive. You see, forgiving someone can't change the 
past. Now listen, forgiving the person doesn't change the past. But it sure does make the possibilities for the future a whole lot bigger and better. And the failure to forgive, to practice forgiveness in relationships means the future just gets more narrow and more narrow and more narrow and more narrow until eventually there isn't much of a future. The ministry of forgiving. You need to give it to others. You, you need to minister forgiveness to others. Because whether you know it or not, believe it or not, you need others to minister to you forgiveness as well. All right, let me ask you some questions as I wrap this up. Would practicing these ministries in your marriage make a difference in your marriage? Hmm? Would practicing these ministries with your extended family make a difference in those relationships? Do, do you think this would make a difference if you practice these ministries? Would, could, could, could you see it making a difference in your Sunday school class in your church? Could, could you see it making a difference in some situations at work or in your neighborhood? And then remember, you can't control other people, but you can control your part in it. And doing things God's way increases the likelihood of other people also being changed. Will you begin seeing, here's, here's a question, will you begin seeing these biblical mandates, these biblical teachings about how to live and interact with people, rather than seeing them as duties, can you begin to see these as ministries that you render to the people God has put into your life as ways of serving them? Change how you think about doing these things. Well, let's, let's, let's get more specific. Which of these six ministries will you start with? Is it forgiving, bearing, helping, listening, being meek, holding your tongue? Which will you listen? Which will you begin with? Which, which one do you need to start with the most? And here's another question. Who is it in your life that you need to extend that ministry to? the most who, who are the names that are coming to your mind right now that you need to extend these ministries to can, can you identify someone at home someone in your extended family someone at work someone at church and will you talk to Jesus about it right now Let's stand. And as we sing our hymn of invitation...